those are the f***ing Canucks? No, 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 no. You're listening to Halford and Bruff. I had to stay out there and just look at the crowd and just try to say, okay, remember this moment type thing. If I've offended anybody in the process, I apologize personally. Uh-oh. Sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mondays. Good morning, Vancouver 601. On a Monday, it is Halford. It is Bruff. It is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live from the Kintech Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Good morning. Hey, dog. Good morning to you. Good morning. Laddie, good morning to you as well. Hello, hello. Uh, Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Uh, the orthotics man. Yes, the orthotics man, Jason Bruff over here, is going to tell you more about Kintech. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech footwear and orthotics. They're Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 1,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. We have a very, very, very big show ahead on a Monday, following one of the most surreal, pivotal, bizarre weekends in Canucks franchise history. So I'll say it right off the hop to anyone that's expecting a ton of National Football League breakdown today. I apologize. I know that we are now down to the AFC and NFC championship Mm -hmm. teams. I know that it was a great weekend of football, but it just coincided with one of the craziest weekends in the history of the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah, but this is just your way, talking about the Canucks and making this whole show about the Canucks to avoid the fact that Arsenal had another big win over the weekend. We're going to start with Arsenal, actually. (laughs) What a Anything to make yourself look less silly... About your your prediction that Arsenal will not win the title, I suppose. I mean, We're going to spend at least 45 minutes discussing the likelihood of City getting back into this thing yeah. when they play Arsenal on the 15th, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, we've already gone too far with this bit. Uh, what's happening on the program today? 7 o'clock, that will be our first foray into the National Football League. Mike Tannier, our NFL insider from Football Outsiders, is going to join us. Uh, the final four is set. It was a real interesting weekend across the NFL. Uh, we'll get to Mike at 7 o'clock for all that. 7.30, Jeff Merrick is going to join us. So Jeff Merrick uh, goes live to air after our show, but he's going to join us at 7.30 to talk about, guess what, uh, Bruce Boudreau, Rick Tockett, and the current state of your beleaguered Vancouver Canucks. Jeff Merrick at 7.30. 8 o'clock, IMAX is going to join us as the Canucks conversation rolls on here. On the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. There's a ton to unpack. We have to look back to everything that happened over the last 72 hours. We need to discuss the outgoing coach, the incoming coach, and then what's next. So it's a lot of conversation to have with regards to the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, it's a light night in the NHL. There's just four NHL games. Johnny Goudreau goes back to Calgary tonight as the Blue Jackets take on the Flames in Calgary. There's a bunch of NBA games. There's some Premier League. Australian Open as well. But this is all going to be about the Canucks today, almost exclusively. So I'm not going to waste any more time blathering away. Uh, Laddie, let's tell everybody what happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. Oh, what happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? You missed that? You missed that? What happened? There are some times and some moments 
in a franchise's history, in an organization's history, where the rubber hits the road and you have these sort of definitive pivotal points where you feel like things are going to go in one of two directions here. I don't know if this past weekend will prove to be that, that for the Canucks, but it sure feels like it has the potential to. It was uh, a, a teary. Is that a word? Teary? Lots of tears. Goodbye to Bruce Boudreaux Saturday at Rogers Arena. Uh, we just had someone text in and said, guys, no lie. I cried watching Bruce say thanks to the crowd. This team is awful. I hate us. <laughs> us? We're just us. The Canucks. Uh, Bruce cried. The players apparently cried, and I guess some of the fans were crying. Uh, Maggie laughed, which was nice. She's such a trooper. That's you the- made her cry. Then I cried. Then Maggie laughed. She's such a little trooper. Did we prep that bit? Yeah, we prepped that bit. There was a lot of crying going on. Except Maggie. Uh, this weekend around her. She is such, such a little trooper. She's such a little trooper. Uh, the Canucks also lost on Saturday, 4-2 to the Oilers, their 10th regulation loss. Oh, yeah. In their last 12 games. Guys, I don't think this team's going to make the playoffs. They were. There was a hockey game. All the while on Saturday and Friday, and basically for the entire week, or maybe two weeks, or let's be honest, the last year, people have known what's going to be coming. Bruce Boudreaux was going to be fired And certainly we knew this in the last little while. He was going to be replaced by Rick Tockett. And it seemed like the entire world was teeing off on the Canucks and the way they were treating the beloved head coach. This is how the Hockey Night in Panel, um, Hockey Night in Canada panel, um, I don't know, I can't quite remember where it was in the broadcast. It was Hockey Day in Canada. I think it might have been in the first intermission of a very entertaining Leafs-Habs game. Um, And they all knew, like, all right, we're going to have to talk about the Canucks, as we seem to do every Saturday. Mm -hmm. And so this was was kind of leading up to all this. Uh, This is what the Hockey Night in Canada panel had to say. It's cruel. Uh, I couldn't take my eyes off the fact that on the backdrop, it's on the night where they have hockey talk. So they're promoting the conversation about mental health. And yet this is what you're doing to one of your employees. It makes no sense to me, right? Because you can see the hurt in Bruce and he's a he's a really good person. So if you don't want him, just get rid of him. Don't do this to him. Uh, I've been around the game for a long time and this might be one of the most bizarre years I've seen by an organization. Mm-hmm. I think for all of us, we're witnessing um, how hard this is, how hard it is on him. And to finally acknowledge that, he's saying, you know what, of course I'm aware, but f- for him to show how much it's affecting him. And he's made comments on how much he's had to rely on his wife and, and to understand that regardless of any strategic decisions or business decisions that are happening with the organization, these are decisions that are affecting people and they're humans first. And I think he's showing that. So credit to the Vancouver fans and the nice chant that they Mm. gave him and how touching that was for him. But I think for all of us too, it's an appreciation and a respect for Bruce on how he's handled it with such class, despite how long this continues to drag on. So they were talking about the chance for Bruce. That was from Friday. They were talking about Friday. They had nothing. They had no idea what was going to happen. Uh, Saturday night against the Oilers, where it was more of more of the same and possibly even more emotional than on Friday against the Avs. The entire fan base 
has been so emotional. Like I, I wade into social media sometimes and, and listen, maybe I'm, I'm one of the ringleaders in all this. So, you know, I, I don't want to say I have some responsibility for it. Cause I think I've just, I've just been handling this. Like I always do with a bit of sense of humor, but also some passion for, for the hockey team. But like, I, I'm wading into social media and I'm like, this fan base has kind of lost its mind. It feels like a virtual riot. Like what's going on, right? It's our third one, but this one just happens to be taking place um, on Twitter. Yeah. Um, The word emo comes up. It's like people are so angry or so sad and so embarrassed. Like they're feeling all the feels and they're letting it out. And I think the national media is taking note of this and going like, yeah, this is crazy what's going on like this does this this is not normal yep. what's going on uh and then came sunday's press release the one that everyone knew was coming that bruce boudreau and although we didn't know trent call uh was going to be relieved of his duties he was relieved of his duties he was replaced by rick tockett adam foot and uh via zoom apparently sergey gonchar uh, the release was followed by a press conference featuring Rick Tockett, Patrick Alvine, uh, the general manager, and Jim Rutherford, the president of Hockey Ops. Um, should we should we go through the highlights of the press conference? Um, there is so much to talk about and to discuss, sure. and the Dunbar Lumber Text line is already filling up uh, with all you know everyone's opinions, um, most of them negative towards the Canucks. I've noted, um, I guess we can just go through the press conference yeah, sure. as it, as it played out. Um, we've got an entire hour here to go through what happened over the weekend and look forward to life under Rick Tockett for the Vancouver Canucks. So Patrick Alvin started by saying that <laughs> he, I was laughing when he said this, he said today, this morning. I made the decision to make a coaching change. I woke I'm like, up and I thought, it's time to make a change. Yeah, I'm like, that's weird um, because everyone knew that you were going to make this coaching change. Uh, Patrick Alvin said, and I quote, he that he wanted a new voice to get this group to buy in and play a different way. And someone to, quote, implement structure, accountability, and practice habits. Now, it's funny because... Implement structure, accountability, and practice habits. Where have we heard that before? Oh, yeah. Every time for the last year that this management group has been criticizing Bruce Boudreaux for the way he coached. But I digress. Alvin said he was asked by Tockett if it was a quick fix. And he said, for me, it's not a quick fix. Where we are, it's a lot of work that needs to be done here. Um... The cold quick fix thing. Let's start. Let's just stop now and talk about this. Okay. The quick fix thing. We need to get an idea on what this organization actually thinks a quick fix timeline is because I'm very confused by this. I think a quick fix for this team is two years. (laughs) Yeah. They seem to think that a quick fix for this team is two months. They think, well, they think next season. Next season, next we 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 went through this a couple times last. Or maybe week, think. they think that as soon as Tockett takes over, fix it. Well, if they do, then one that's nuts, and two, it kind of goes against what they said to Tockett. I mean, if the, if the general manager hires you for a gig and says, "Look, this is going to be a long term fix. Don't expect that this is going to get turned around right away." 
my reading through the, the sifting through and reading between the lines there, uh, this season is done. We're toast. We're not going to make a playoff push. We might get a bump under, with you, but we're not going to get very far. Everything is designed for next season. Implement your systems. Find out the players you like. Find out the players you don't like. Get everything ready. Have Gonchar do lots of zooms. And then when it's ready to hit next season, we're back on whatever path we want to be back on. This quote or this audio that I'm going to play is not from yesterday's press conference, but it was from <laughs> the Jim Rutherford press conference that now seems like it was 100 years ago, but it was only like a week ago. Mm-hmm when it was supposed to be about Tanner Pearson, but it turned into a state of the franchise, and the state of the franchise is not good. This timeline thing has me a little bit confused. Um, I'm going to play an exchange between Drance and Jim Rutherford. Here it is. Jim, is there risk, or you've noted that you can't turn it around necessarily as quickly as, as everybody wants, but is there risk in attempting to bridge that gap based on where this team's at, based on your cap issues, based on how lean your prospect system is. Um, can this be turned around quickly? How confident are you that you're able to do that? What's your definition of quickly? Three years. Yes. Oh, yeah. That was more than fair. Yeah, three years. You know, I'd like to think it's, it's quicker than that. We got a lot of good players here. You know, I just don't actually had this conversation with the team in our opening dinner. And I talked to the team about we have really a lot of good players, but do we have a team? And we've never come together as a team, what a team is to win at all costs. You know, we played a game here a week ago against Colorado. And you look at how that game was played. That was played like a team that you wanted to win at all costs. How many of those games have we seen? We don't see many of those games here. And so that's what I talk about. You gotta be you gotta be all in. You can't be half in. You can't just be happy to be in live in a beautiful city get paid a lot of money, come to the rink and just play and go home. You know, there has to be attention to details. There has to be accountability. All those things that are very important to become a regular playoff team. And that's what we have to work towards. And we have not been able to do that at the midway point of this season. Attention to detail, accountability. Mm-hmm. To me, it's always been about the coach. It's always been about the head coach. I think Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alfine believe they've got a better roster than what the results of this season have displayed. I think it's a and fair I, analysis. And yes. I think they lay a lot of it at the feet of Bruce Boudreaux. Yeah. I, I, look, this has been festering back to last season. And you and I have talked about it at length. I think the shocking thing... Really, the only shocking thing isn't that Boudreaux's out of a job because I felt like that was an inevitability for an awfully long time. It's that uh, collectively, the organization let it fester and fester and fester to the point where they had one of the worst, 
most acrimonious and most savagely critiqued breakups <laughs> in the history of the National Hockey League. Like, I here's the thing. He's not he's not exaggerating there either. Here's the thing. I know that Bruce Boudreaux was paid very handsomely uh, to do a job that a lot of people would love to do. I'm not here to try and say that his plight is anything comparable to a bunch of real difficult world struggles that people go through on a daily basis. I get all that, right? And that's part of the gig. You get hired to get fired. That's coaching. Totally understandable. The thing that you cannot argue, though, is that this is unprecedented. What they did and the way they did it just isn't done. Nobody conducts their business this way for good reason. It tarnishes the brand. It makes people second guess whether they want to be a part of your organization. And the hockey fraternity is small. The industry is small. These things do not go unchecked and unnoticed. Everyone's got friends everywhere. And when you're playing in a Canadian market, as all these guys often say, it gets exacerbated because there's that much more focus and that much more, uh, the, that bright of a spotlight on your organization. So that's the real thing for me. Like, I get that we're going to talk a lot about talk it coming in. And I get that a lot of people want to say, you know what? Yeah, it was ugly, but Boudreaux's been fired and turned the page. I don't think it works like that. No, we can't turn the page this quickly. I don't, but I'm not even saying, like, get over it. What mm -hmm. I'm saying is, is when something unprecedented happens, you have to take a moment and say, what are the knock-on effects going to be? Because there's no blueprint for any of it. Like, we talk about that all the time. It's a very, very predictable league, and it's a very, very predictable sport to follow. We've been doing it for a long time. I can wake up, and I got a pretty good idea of what's going to happen in the NHL. The thing that caught my eye was when they made a grown man cry twice in two days. And the players was were already, crying. And the player, and that is something where I'm like, and again, Ooh. Maggie, like honestly, such a little trooper. She laughed. She laughed at it because she, she's hanging in there. She's she is. Tough. She yeah. is terrific. Uh, speaking of the Boudreaux situation, Murph kicked off the press conference. Really, the questions part of the press conference. He asked Rutherford about the handling of Bruce's situation, and Rutherford had a lengthy answer about how it all went down. And he did apologize to Boudreaux for being too direct and honest in his interviews uh, about the team structure and accountability and all the things that they've been saying about the coach dating back, I don't know, almost a year now when we were all kind of surprised to learn that, hey, maybe this management group, this new management group actually doesn't think Bruce Boudreaux is the right head coach for this team. Here's what Jim Rutherford had to say. Here was his apology to uh, Bruce Boudreaux. Why was Bruce's situation handled in this manner, and why wasn't something done sooner? <clears throat> well, when you say handled in this manner, I take it it's part of all the speculation that was out there. So I'll, I'll do the abbreviated form of how it was handled. About a month ago, well, there's different meetings during the season. But leading up to this decision about a month ago, Patrick and Bruce and I had a meeting. We talked about where the team was at. You know, we have some of our top players having really good seasons. The bottom half of the team seems to have declined, even to the point of some of our younger players, Putz Colson and Hoaglander and these guys. And... That was a concern about how how do we go forward 
and get all these players on board and playing to their potential. And so we had that meeting. We talked about a bunch of things. I talked about the schedule where we were at. I said that, uh, that you know, we'd, we'd really like to get through the year with Bruce as the coach and then make a decision at that point. And we'd like to see some progress. Two weeks later, we had a follow-up meeting, part of the due process, walked through a bunch of things again, and there wasn't any improvement in the areas that we were hoping for. So then it got to the point where Patrick started to zero in on it and felt at that point we had to make a change. Now part of this process, and, and I will apologize to Bruce for this, is probably in my interviews over the course of the season, when people ask me a question, I'm probably too direct and too honest. And so that goes back to my comment about uh, team playing with structure, more structure, and things like that. I've done that my whole career. I've tried to be honest. I've tried to answer the best I can. And sometimes that affects certain people. And in this case, it probably did affect him. And, uh, and I'm sorry I did that. And I've learned from it. So I've decided that I need to zip it. I'm not going to talk about the team. I'm going to let Patrick and, uh, and Rick talk, it, talk about the team and, and just stay away from those things. So that was the apology. And if he could have left it at that, if he could have indeed zipped it, then I think some people would have been like, okay, he recognized that he was the one that kicked off all the speculation. It was him. It was his comments that had the media and the fan base watching so closely on this situation. It was those comments that made us all think that this management group can't wait to move on from Bruce Boudreaux. Mm -hmm. What's funny about all this, and unfortunate for Canucks management, is if they had it just, for lack of a better way of saying it, not said anything about Bruce Boudreaux or even just publicly supported him, it would have been the fan base calling for Bruce Boudreaux's firing. Yep. The team played so bad defensively this year. It would have been like, guys, get someone in there to fix this team. Bruce may be a nice guy, but they got to move on. This is not working. How can this management group have faith in this head coach that can't get his team to play defense? Mm -hmm. But because of those comments that Rutherford made, everyone knew that this management group didn't like Bruce Boudreaux, that they had not publicly supported him. And even though the Canucks were playing awful defensively and not only didn't improve defensively, they got worse. Yeah. That, like, that the management was the target. Rutherford also said, and this didn't help, that the situation played out in a way that was, quote-unquote, out of our control. And he pushed back on the notion that there was anything especially unusual about the way the Canucks made this coaching change. Long story short, he was telling the fan base, he was telling the rest of the world that you're making a mountain out of a molehill. Yeah. And he even said it was the speculation that drove this. It wasn't us. This took on a life of its own with all the speculation. Those are the quotes, which, of course, the speculation started with Rutherford's, Rutherford's comments. In the spring of last year, that's what started it. Mm -hmm. 
Okay. And, and it's what's fueled it the entire time. It's what's fueled it the entire time. And there's no getting around that. We had a text in here from Joe to the Dunbar Lumber text message in basket at 650-650. And it's a little harsh, but I want to read it. Joe writes, let's be honest. If Bruce was not a cuddly old man crying, this reaction would not have been so vile. He was not a good coach. There's some truth to what you're saying here. Because as Jason just pointed out, if this hadn't gone the way that it had gone and everyone in the front office and the executive just kept their mouth shut, fans would have said it's time to make a change behind the bench. It's a savvy enough market to know that if things aren't going well on the ice, and they weren't going just not well. (laughs) It's worse than that. Fans would have said we got to make a change behind the bench. They did it with Travis Green. Right. Whatever, whatever fans Travis Green had among the fan base were pretty much gone by the time he got fired. But Joe, I'm going to tell you this. The reaction that you're talking about here. This organization could have controlled all of it and they chose to control none of it. They were the reason that Bruce Boudreaux was standing behind the bench openly weeping in back to back nights and have to happen. Did not have to happen. It was the easiest thing on the planet to just put an interim head coach in there. Mm -hmm. Or as Jason asked for a week ago, the bird that keeps going back to drink the water. Yeah, the water-drinking bird. He's not going to cry. That guy will roll four lines, too. Like Willie Desjardins, like on the regular, because he's going every time he goes back to drink the water, change him up. Line change every 10 seconds. Right. But that's that's kind of the point here, is this seems wholly unnecessary. And has gotten so out of hand and so big and so national and so toxic. And you kind of wonder why. Like, what was the end game here? Did anyone, and they didn't answer this yesterday, did anyone look back on this and say, we might have made a huge mistake in how we handled Boudreaux's dismissal? Because the next question that we're going to talk about, we're going to go to break and we'll come back, is what the knock-on effects are. Have you poisoned the well for Rick Tockett? Have you ruined this for the guy that's supposed to fix it? And what about the players? That is not a happy group of players. Tyler Myers came out and didn't even try and mince words. Said it's the weirdest, toughest, worst thing in terms of outside noise that he's had to go through over the course of his 10-plus year NHL career. So there's a lot, a lot of residual damage here. The question is going to be, are, is it going to be noise? Are they going to be able to flush it and move on? Or is there some serious damage done? We will talk about that and a whole lot more. we got a whole other half hour as we break down, again, one of the more fundamentally altering weekends in Canucks history. We're reacting to it live. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Sitting around here and kind of uh, almost speechless, which a lot of time after a game, a loss, you know, guys are – bad or ticked off or whatever um, about the way they played but this was not even about the game it was more you know the feeling for Bruce. It'll obviously be a you know something that stays with me for for my whole life and I mean uh, you know, I've had uh, a couple people like me in the in the past but not the way the fans have been treated me it's just city's amazing. 
6.34 on a Monday. Happy Monday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. So predictably, the Dunbar Lumber text line is full of texts. Yep. Uh, some of them accusing us of uh, being too nice to the Vancouver Canucks, not taking them to task enough. Others saying, we got to move on. We got to move on. Bruce wasn't treated unfairly. This is business. So we're getting it from both sides, which is predictable. The fan base is very emotional right now, and we accept that. Um, social media was – I've never seen anything like it. Um, and, you know, the amount of criticism that the Canucks have not only received locally but also nationally, I think, mm-hmm. uh, piles on. Like this is the most here, – here's something crazy. Here's something crazy. This is the most the Canucks have been under the spotlight since they're in the Stanley Cup final in 2011. This is more than when they hired Torts. This is more when, than when Torts had his, his dressing room invasion of the Calgary Flames. Yeah. Like there hasn't been, yeah, there have been some big stories in Vancouver over the last little while, but nothing like this. The amount of attention that this Canucks team has not only received, not only received over the weekend, but really for the last, what, few weeks? Yeah. Where, you know, I. You know, Halford's doing Winnipeg radio, as he told everyone. I did Calgary radio. I got to do Toronto radio today. Like, everyone is talking about the Vancouver Canucks, and everyone's got an opinion, um, and that includes us. Um, we did a little bit of the look back part in the first half, half hour of the show. We we talked about how this whole Boudreaux thing started and ended. Yeah. Um, let's let's give, give a little attention to Rick Tockett because he is the new head coach now, and he was up there in a pretty difficult situation because he was up there with Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvin and the latter two were getting all these questions about the last coach and he's like uh are you here to introduce me and ask me what I think I don't have any questions for Rick Tockett hi I'm Rick Tockett um then Rick Tockett his availability really I think he I think he did a pretty good job considering the situation uh, considering the circumstances and, and the situation and what he said we'll go over it but I don't think what he said was at all surprising given the challenges that the Canucks have and all the things that the management group is saying had said for the last year about what they want out of a new head coach. He started out by pointing out the penalty kill and how it was last in the NHL and the overall goals against average as a major problem. And I don't think anyone should be surprised by that. Newsflash, uh, it's a major problem. So there's going to be a lot of focus on that. And one of the things he said, there are some hard rules that I have to keep the puck out of your net. The phrase game management, which Andy asked about in the break. Mm-hmm. He said, what does he mean by that? It's going to be a phrase you're going to hear a lot. What it means? Making better decisions given how the game is going. For example, you have a lead, which the Canucks have had a few times. They haven't kept it, which is a problem. So one of the things, hey, Don't be irresponsible with the puck when you have a lead. River hockey is another phrase you're probably going to hear. Rick Tockett likes to say it a lot. He doesn't like it. River Tockett. River. River Tockett. River Tockett. Here's a new nickname. Um, River hockey is pond hockey, right? Uh, It's unstructured. It's just out for a fun skate. And here's a quote. Everything cannot be high risk, J.T. Miller. The way the Canucks have protected leads this season, it's hard to take issue with these comments. 
I thought it was interesting that he pointed out his friendship with Travis Green. And that he talked about Travis Green, about the market, and whether or not he should take the job. And apparently Travis Green has said, yeah, you should take the job. I really wonder what those conversations were like. Those guys are buddies. Long time. They nearly went to prison together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, looking true. back on that. It's true. Um, <laughs> he ain't wrong. <laughs> yeah, I'm not wrong. I'm joking. And at the end of the day, by the way, that Operation Slapshot was kind of much ado about nothing. He's but right. I digress. He's out of line, but he's right. Um, he said uh, the whole thing about his relationship with OEL was overblown, that he actually has a great relationship with OEL. We should probably ask Oliver Ackman Larson to confirm that. Um, he was asked about deleting his Twitter account, and he had a very quick answer on that. And he basically just said, yeah, well, I'm a head coach now. I used to use Twitter uh, as a promotional tool when I worked for TNT. And to which I said, that may be partly true, but I feel like it's other stuff too. But I don't blame him for deleting his Twitter account. He made a couple of different elephant analogies. Like he made two, he made two different elephant analogies within the same thought, within the same sentence. And we'll play that audio now. And the question really was like, you know, how quickly do you have to turn this thing around and so I, I guess he, so he's going to say game management a lot. He's going to say river hockey and he likes to use elephant analogies. Yeah. That's the big elephant in the room, right? Like, uh, all these different things to me. And, uh, I know it's an old saying, but small bites at a time, you know, we just got to go in every day, take a bite here to, you can't swallow that elephant in one bite. Right. So I think really the slow things down, um, you know, I got to evaluate some players too myself to see what, you know, what, uh, what's out there where, where maybe some other guys can have a little bit more role, you know, to, to get some more ice time and contribute. I think that's something we got to look at, but uh, yeah, no, it's just really small bites at a time. Slow it down a little bit. Like uh, I, I'm sure the players heads are spinning and uh, my job is to get their heads to like slow down a little bit and just play the game. So there's an elephant in the room over there, but mm-hmm. you know, guys, we, we, we can't eat this today. Small bites. We're going to have to, um, I don't know, like, Small bites. But Small cut, bites. but are they going to put part of them in the freezer? Well, no, you eat the elephant really slowly. Small bites at a time. Yeah, but isn't the elephant going to go off after a while? It is. Spoil. You do have to you do have to plan ahead because it will sustain you for many many years. Right. If you of all the things I didn't have on my bingo card for this year, it was Rick Tockett paraphrasing Archbishop Desmond Tutu. So is small bites the new pecking away? Is that going to replace yep. the yep. instead That's, of pecking yep. away now? It's just small bites. Small bites. Small no, bites. I'm, I'm not even small trying. bites of the elephant. Do people eat elephants or I, is probably somewhere? I think Peta might have something to say about this. Yeah, I, I know. I know that there's going to be uh, <laughs> the obvious jokes about eating an elephant, which I think is cruel and unusual. Very befitting after this weekend. But this is going to be. <laughs> The ivory dealer, like, Dad, even the check is ivory. <laughs> but they're going to be. Sure, I've dealt You're a new president of Hockey Ops. This is going to. Seal clubber. This is going to be um, one of the mantras. Maybe not necessarily the elephant part, but the small bites pecking away one step at a time. We're not going to be able to do this because they. if there's one thing that I think almost got lost in yesterday's presser because it was so weird and dysfunctional is that Alvin told the new head coach of the team that it's not going to be an easy fix. And the week prior, the president of Hockey Ops said, this isn't going to be minor surgery, this is going to be major surgery. Those comments came a week apart. So there, everyone there is fully cognizant of 
how much needs to be fixed. The key question is, one, are they going to be able to fix it? Do they have the wherewithal and the skills and the talent to fix it? And how quickly? Because there is an impetus now where I think, I think they feel like they've wasted the basically a half a year under Bruce Boudreaux. That mm-hmm. they had to let it play out like this to get to this point so they could say, okay, we're moving on. Now we've got the guy that we want. And you basically, the 2022-2023 season is going to be remembered as the one where they had to let this thing fester for a half a year to get rid of the coach they didn't want. And they were finally able to bring in the coach that they did want. And now it's about... Yeah, the timeline for me is the big thing because they've acknowledged how much they have to do, but they've also given themselves a timeline of a year or two for the team to come together. Right. And, I mean, the, here's the thing. As we talk about Tockett, um, he is the anti-Bruce, I think, in a lot of ways. I think that uh, one of the things that's probably going underreported, and after reading a few things yesterday, it kind of stuck out to me, is that... Um, there's tiny anecdotes about uh, Tockett's past where he's identified as a details guy. Like he's, he has these meetings with players mm-hmm. that are very finitely scheduled to the point where he actually keeps track of the amount of meetings that he has with players. Yeah, That's what these guys want is they want someone that is not loosey goosey and fly by the seat of the, your pants and maybe has a little bit more. And by a little bit more, I mean a lot more attention to detail and structure and We'll have specific answers for guys about what you have to do situationally. Game management is going to be such a profound and important thing for this group moving forward because Tockett's going to look at things like 18 multi-goal leads blown yeah. and say that is it is embarrassing. And he's, rightly so. He's going to look at a penalty kill that was dead last in the NHL and say that's embarrassing. That's the thing that I have to fix specifically. Those are the things he's tasked with doing. I think the other thing that we took from yesterday's um, press conference is that he thinks some players are playing too much. Yep. And the three of them up there, Patrick Alvin, Jim Rutherford, and Rick Tockett, believe that there are players on this Canucks team that aren't being utilized enough or aren't being utilized property, properly and are going to have a bigger role going forward. And part of that might just be like, we need to figure out if these guys do have anything more sure. to give. Sure. And if they do, great. We'll keep them. If they don't, then we'll find someone else. Like, sir, I just want to jump in. Did you not think it was – and again, there's so much stuff to parse through. But when Rutherford said it was extremely disappointing to see young players like Pod Colson and Hoaglander take a step back. Yeah, that's another shot at the coaching. But, yeah, and, and so I'm looking at that and I'm saying, okay, they've obviously got a laundry list of things. They probably handed the talk and they're like, these are all the things that we didn't think coaching was doing properly. Mm -hmm. Please go do them. Well, of course. Isn't that naturally what you would give a new head coach? You'd be like, here's what we think. Here's your assignment. And part of it is going to be like, what do you think? But but a lot of it is going to be like, here's what we think. You know, you you make a job description and say, this is the things that these are the things that we think you need to handle. Mm-hmm. Starts by setting the pace at training camp, even thinking all, all the way back to those remarks right. about the training well, camp, right? One of the things he said, um, and Halford kind of touched on this and was smart to bring this up, was I think practices are going to look very different. And I think one of the things that Rick Tockett said that was interesting that maybe didn't get a lot of attention is like our practices, we're going to ch- we're going to practice those situations. We're going to say, okay, we're leading to nothing or whatever, in the third period. 
let's practice that situation. What does that look like? He said, practices can't be all flow drills. And if you've ever seen an NHL practice, a lot of the drills that they do are kind of like you dump the puck in and then you break it out. And it's a lot of flow. It's like just getting used to doing the things that you need to do in order to get the puck out of your own end and then maybe enter the uh, the attacking zone, right? Mm-hmm. So it's a lot of that stuff. And there isn't even a lot of pressure against the breakout and the entry into the other end. It's just like it's flow. It's just like, all right, I, I know where uh, my defenseman is for the outlet and then sure. I know that the center is going to come through and he's going to get the puck, et cetera, et cetera. I think, um, I think Rick Tockett is going to have some – he'll do those drills obviously, but he's also going to practice some game – uh, management situations. As for JT Miller, I think it's Rick. Uh, I think it's clear that Rick Tockett thinks JT Miller is just playing too much. He said that Sidney Crosby doesn't play twenty four minutes a night. Said Sidney Crosby plays, you know, often less than twenty minutes a night, and maybe that's the way you need to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, he also had some comments about JT Miller, just how he acts on the ice. And he said, I'm anxious to work with him. I'm anxious to talk about leadership with him. And he said, it's okay to have emotion on the bench, but on the ice, you got to be careful of your body language. You can't stop back-checking because you're mad at something. Who out there in the Canucks fan base disagrees with this? Who out there in the Canucks fan base doesn't want a head coach? I love the pacing yourself comment. Let me explain that. (laughs) Buddy, I just got to take it easy out here, okay? I'm waiting for the third period. So you know how JT Miller often doesn't back check? (laughs) Rick Tockett kind of threw him a lifeline. He said, he basically said like maybe he's playing too much and that he needs. He he feels that he needs to pace himself out there, like he needs to conserve his energy, mm-hmm. which got what the kids called uh, a big old LOL, maybe even an LMAO. Oh, the L- rare Lamau. Lamau. Out of me. LMFAO. Oh, wow. Getting dicey. Getting pretty. You're referring to those 20 second line changes where he slowly skates off the ice to change on the fly. So so guys, like here's the way I I took this whole thing. I think they completely botched the Bruce Boudreaux, the handling of the Bruce Boudreaux situation. Yep. And it all started with Rutherford's comments and, you know, we, we don't need to go back and talk about all the comments that Jim Rutherford made. No, no, it was th- the speculation. It was the speculation. I Yeah. Okay. I mean, I think they completely botched that. But here's the house of positivity. I think they need a coach. I don't know if Rick Tockett is the right guy. We'll find out. But I do think they need a coach to teach them about how to defend better, how to manage moments in the game better. Mm-hmm. There is a question for sure. Like I, I admit, like is Tockett the right guy? People will say, look at his coaching record, and I will say, well, look at the roster he had to deal with in Arizona. Sure, I, I Rick Tockett. You know, he might not have your respect, but he does have the respect of a lot of people around the league, including Inc- Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvin, including Steven Stamkos. Yep, who said that. Earlier when Rick Tockett was an assistant coach in Tampa Bay and Steven Samkos was just 18 years old, he said, Rick helped me out a lot. Talk helped me out a lot. So I think that the Canucks do need a coach. Like, you can believe both things. You can believe that they botched the Bruce Boudreaux situation, but you can also believe that Bruce Boudreaux didn't do a very good job with this team this season. I think that's the the key thing. They needed a new head coach. 
They just screwed up the way they went about it. I think that's really the key thing because there's a lot of people. Look, there's a lot of people right now that are uh, upset, right? And they're both sides of the coin. There's a lot of people that are upset about the way Boudreaux was treated and they feel like he was uh, unjustly tarred and feathered on his way out. There's a lot of people that are saying, I don't care about that. It didn't go well, but this is a big boy profession. And it's almost like you can't be of two minds. Don't let this get super polarizing. Both things can be true. They handled the situation terribly. But Boudreaux probably also deserve to be gone as head coach. Well, I think most people are probably okay with Boudreaux gone. It's just how they handle no. it, right? No, they're not, man. No, they're, not, they're not, man. There are some people out there that are not even going to give Rick Tockett a chance. Yeah. They think Boudreaux should still be coaching? Yes. Wow. Yes, because they put it all on management. They put the roster on management, which is fair enough. The, the management puts the roster together. This is This is the challenge that this Canucks management has. First of all, they've got a fan base that by and large, doesn't believe in them, doesn't have faith in them. And if you're the exception out there, like, fine, you can have faith in them. But the consensus is that this management group isn't doing a very good job. But here, here's And the they thing. don't have the credibility. They've got to make a bunch of roster changes, and they've got to get this team playing as a team and bring this team around in a year or two. And whose timeline is that? It's theirs. Mm-hmm. And uh, you you look at what's going on right now, and you got to ask the question, did you bring Rick Tockett in to an environment where he's going to be able to succeed? Because all the talking points about Arizona were he made chicken salad out of chicken crap, and he did a good job, even though the win-loss record wasn't sterling, he did a good job squeezing a little bit of juice out of that team and that, the brief little playoff run that they had. So the idea would be if he was in a more fruitful, bountiful environment, he'd be able to do more as a head coach. They brought him in with brand loyalty, brand engagement, and brand value at staggering lows. There's a lack of trust from the players about any direction or future for this team. They just came off a dismissal that's unprecedented in the way that it played out. And Tockett belongs to the same coaching brethren that Boudreaux did. They are in the NHL Coaches Association together. So it's very odd that you would set someone up in this way, shape, or form. Even if you acknowledge that the Boudreaux dismissal was wrong and bad and poorly handled, which they didn't, right? They just kind of said the scenario unfolded the way that it did and we made decisions based on that you still you still are in charge of what talk it's taking over and where he's coming in and the manner in which he's coming in now here's the the x factor in all this is that it's becoming more and more apparent that um they say all the right things about appreciating and understanding the market but i don't think either of those things are true i think that the a lot of the decisions that have been made don't have anything to do with acknowledging the fan base or trying to understand it, hearing the grievances, hearing the frustrations, and it's just plow forward, right? That's what this last two weeks was Mm -hmm. with Boudreaux. In the face of all scrutiny, 
and all kinds of criticisms and people from afar throwing lobs and grenades at them, the Canucks management group just pushed forward, right? They just kept going. They didn't try and uh, stem the tide. They didn't try and intervene. They didn't even fire Boudreaux and put a placeholder coach behind the bench for the final two home games. Or the water drinking bird. They just plowed through. Mm -hmm. I don't know what to make of it because I know that a very common uh, PR crisis technique is to just wait. Yeah. Wait 24 hours. Things will blow over. Yeah. Wait until there's a new character. The, or there's a new story because the news cycle generates in 24 hours. Well, we, we will wait be until, talking about talking and what wait he's until the, do, t- right? the two the two lemmings that do the morning show at 6:50 start talking about something else because they're bored and they get distracted easily. Did you know, by the way, speaking of lemmings, because the girl is doing um, a project on lemmings? Mm-hmm. Did you know that it's an urban myth that they follow jump, each other? They follow I did each not other know and that. you see, and we're distracted off. already. Now we're talking yeah, about the, we're talking about lemmings. See, yeah. we get distracted. Who's Bruce Boudreaux anyway? I don't even remember that guy. It was such a short time. Anyway, we got to talk some NFL with Mike Tannier. We're going to take an NFL break from this Canucks talk, but there's going to be a lot more Canucks talk uh, going forward on the show. We got two hours left. Jeff Merrick is going to join us at 730. Um, I'm going to ask Jeff if he's sick of the Canucks yet and if the, if the rest of the country is sick of talking about the Canucks because it seems like constantly leading with the Canucks, whether it's his radio show, which follows ours, on Sportsnet 650, or it's the Hockey Night in Canada broadcast. It's Canucks, Canucks, Canucks. There's other stories going on in the NHL and Canadian markets. Daryl Sutter had some interesting comments the other day. We might ask him about that. IMAC will join us at 8 o'clock. Once again, we'll bring it back to the Canucks. You're listening to the Halford & Brush Show on Sportsnet 650.